Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And that's what the Bible teaches us is that, you know, you may catch a break, you may get some money quick, but the best way to gain wealth, to gain a retirement, a nice nest egg that you can work off of in your years after you work, um, is to accumulate it little by little. And Proverbs also goes on and tells us, plan carefully and you will have plenty, but if you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. And so we need to plan carefully and have a plan to accumulate little by little. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In psychology, there's a concept known as a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habitual behavior which influences numerous areas of our life without being directly connected to them. For example, studies have shown that if you exercise regularly, you will spend less money. If you make your bed in the morning, you will have a more productive day. Why is that? Because those behaviors are keystone habits. What is the greatest keystone habit that is sure to improve every area of our life? Well, the answer is not a what, it's a who. The who is Jesus. If we make it a habit to have Jesus in our lives, he will influence every area of our life for the better. He is the ultimate keystone habit. In the series, Jesus And, we will be exploring how Jesus can influence different areas of our lives. We will tackle topics like Jesus in our possessions, Jesus in our generosity, Jesus in our voting, Jesus and our church, Jesus in our government. We hope this series encourages you to experience the change that Jesus wants to make in your life. It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Phil. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley View Christian Church. I'm excited that you're jumping in with us as we are continuing in this sermon series entitled Jesus And. As we get into the sermon today, I I was specifically reminded of, of a time in which not long ago I was in my kitchen trying to bake or cook actually. And I'm not much of, a, of somebody who cooks and I'm not somebody who really, who bakes much, um, especially at that particular time. But it was something I felt like I could do. I mean, you give me the instructions, you give me the ingredients, I feel like I could bring it together. And so I believe I was making pancakes on this particular occasion. And so I look at the instructions, I follow them very diligently. I'm very focused, I'm working hard. I start to put everything together, I mix it up put it in the pan, start to cook it. I'm excited for this breakfast that my family is going to be able to enjoy. But then once I pulled the pancakes out of the pan, I I realized very quickly that they didn't quite look right. And then it wasn't long after that, they didn't taste right. And they were, the reason that they didn't look right and taste right is that they were actually falling apart. And I thought, well, pancakes aren't supposed to do that. I mean, IHOP never, their pancakes never fall apart. But for some reason, these pancakes were falling apart. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, something's wrong here. Hold on, I don't understand. I've worked hard. I focused. I did what I was supposed to do. I followed the instructions. Why is this not working out the way that it's supposed to? And so I went back and I started looking through the instructions. And what I realized is... I had missed, forgotten an ingredient. I didn't include the egg. You see, it's the egg that holds the batter together and it offers it a richness, a fullness to the taste. And so the reason that it was falling apart and it didn't taste the way it was supposed to is because it didn't have, you might argue, one of the most, maybe the most critical ingredient. It didn't have the egg. And so I was just left with these 
nasty pancakes that, that weren't nearly what they were supposed to, even in spite of all the effort I put in and focus that I had. And I just think that that's a great metaphor when it, when it comes to the way that many of us live our lives, that, that we follow the instructions and we work hard, we're very diligent, we're focused, but, but then there just comes this point at which maybe some of these things, they're falling apart. They aren't as fulfilling as they should be. And what we realize is, is that when that happens is that something's missing. Usually what's missing is Jesus. And this is what the Bible tells us about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. And this is the verse that we're centering this series around. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That when you have this ingredient that is Jesus, he's the one that's holding it together. He is the one that is bringing that richness and that fullness to it. In fact, John 10, 10 says, Jesus, I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. And so maybe, maybe some of the reason why some of these areas of your lives aren't coming together the way that you want them to. Maybe the reason that your life isn't what you want it to be is because you're not allowing Jesus to take his rightful place in your life. And I think that's especially true when it comes to the topic that we're talking about today, which is Jesus and our money. You see, if there's one topic that people are, are generally squeamish about when it comes to God in the Bible, it's often their finances. Because we, we can allow Jesus to influence you know, our work ethic and, and some of our morals and our relationships. But when it comes to our money, that's just the one thing that we aren't quite sure we want him to touch. It's kind of like in the Middle Ages, the, there were stories of the Knights Templar um, these, these knights going to churches before they were to go off to battle and asking for one of the priests to baptize them. And, and as the stories would often go is that these knights would then um, be baptized. They'd be immersed into the water because they wanted to be right with God if they were to lose their lives. But as they were being immersed, they would hold their sword out of the water. Because what they were saying was, God, I'm going to have to do some things. I need to do some things. There's some things that I even want to do that's going to require me to have this sword still in my hand, still under my power, still under my control. And they would all go off to battle after that. And we don't have swords in our hands right now. But the one thing that we often do have in our hand when it comes to us being baptized in that water is we'll hold that wallet outside of that water. Because we'll just say, God, I'm going to let you influence, I'm going to let you impact, I'm going to let you guide my life. But this one area, this one thing is something I just can't have you touch. Because there are things I need to do, there are things I want to do, there are things that I have to do. That, that if, I, if, I bring this wa- if I bring this down into the water, if I allow you to be in control of it, my life, it's just not going to be what I think it should be. And, and so I just have to hang on to it. And, and so often... That's why when it comes to our finances that we don't, our money, we don't honor God with them the way, the way that we ought to. And so today we're going to get into a story in which Jesus is going to tell um, in Luke chapter 12 of how it is that we ought to handle and manage our money. And we're going to go even a little bit beyond this story and just look at the Bible as a whole. What does the Bible have to say when it comes to how we can manage our money? And what I just want to encourage you with today is like, don't, don't hold that wallet outside of the water. Bring it into the water. Bring that wallet in there and allow God to influence it in ways 
ways that maybe he isn't. And so in Luke chapter 12, here's what's going on. This man comes to Jesus and he asks him some questions. He's specifically going to ask him to divide up an inheritance between his brother and him. And Jesus utilizes this as an opportunity to speak on this particular subject of money. And so here's where the Bible picks up in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What's most likely happening here is that you have the younger brother coming to Jesus. In this society, the law was generally that one third of the inheritance would go to the younger brother. The older brother would get two thirds of the inheritance. And and what he's probably implying here is, is he's coming to Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, I want you, Jesus, I want you to um, to, to, to tell my brother to divide it in half. That's what he's seemingly implying. And then here's what Jesus says to him. Well, this is, let me just pause there. Let me, let me, before we get to what Jesus says, let me just say here some key points that we learned from this particular verse that someone in the crowd came to him and, and they said this question. The first thing that we learn here that's good for us to follow is that the man comes to Jesus for financial guidance. He, he doesn't go to a book. He doesn't go to an advisor. He's coming to Jesus and he's asking Jesus to, to offer him guidance on how it is that he should manage what he's going to get. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives and we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. He's coming to Jesus for advice. And that's something that we could, that we could learn from, that we could, uh, that we could benefit from if we would come to Jesus a little bit more often and asking him to influence that particular area of our life. There was a book that was written by a Jewish rabbi um, not long ago. And in this particular book that he was writing, he, w- he was saying that, um, that, that in a Jewish culture, in biblical times especially, that there wasn't a word for a spiritual life. It just, that, that phrase just was, was non-existent in this particular day because everything was spiritual to them. And so this idea that you would have a, an area of your life that was spiritual um, just was something that wouldn't have connected to them. That if you would have gone to the disciples and said, how's your spiritual life? They would have been very confused because to them, everything was spiritual. And, and that's what this man is doing is he's coming to Jesus and he's saying, I need you to influence. I need you to speak into how I'm going to handle what's going to happen with this money. Now, where the man goes wrong is this, is that he asks Jesus to back up what he already believes. And often we come to God, if we're willing to come to him at all about advice about our money, we're just wanting to get 
what it is that we want to do already reinforced. I mean, rarely do, do people come to God with just an absolute open mind to what he would have to say when it comes to their finances. Like generally we're coming and we're wanting him to say, yeah, I want you to give off of uh, your net, not your gross. You, you, want, you want him to say, um, or you're wanting somebody to say, somebody like me maybe, to say, yeah, you can go ahead and, and, and buy those toys or buy those boats or buy whatever it is that you're wanting. Yeah, you can go ahead and do that. You're, you're wanting him to say, you don't have to give a percentage. You don't, certainly don't have to give 10%. You don't have to give a percentage at all. Like, you, you know, you want to hear that. Often we come to him and we're wanting, we're wanting him to reinforce what it is that, um, that we already believe. And that's where this man goes wrong. And so then Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach on this. And this is what Jesus responds with, actually. He says, if you learned what Jesus, and th- this is what he's going to respond with. But let me, let me just ask you this question. If you learn what Jesus says about money is different than how you handle it, would you be willing to make the sacrifices and changes that he wants? I mean, you know, as we talk about this subject, as we're bringing this topic to Jesus, we've got to ask the question, would we be willing to allow him to influence this particular area of our life? And this is what Jesus said to the man. Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Who, who appointed me to do this? Who asked me to do this? He's saying that there are certain laws of the land that, that I'm going to let them run their course. But Jesus uses this, again, as a great opportunity to speak into this area of our lives. And he tells this story that we're going to break down. Then he said to them all, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because there's all kinds of greed that's out there. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. Place... This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And and so he sets a pretty good example to us. He's been very prosperous. Things have gone well for him. Many of you have been very prosperous. Things have gone well for you. Some of you live in this, uh, this area of our particular city of South Denver. And you've been able to benefit uh, from prosperity. You haven't even done anything. Maybe you just bought a house 10 years ago. And so now you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity that you've earned just by living in your home. And, and that's amazing. Good for you. And so you've been prosperous. Some of you have been promoted in positions. Some of you have been able to work up that ladder in your company. And so you're prospering. Some of you have maybe inherited money. Some of you have been given money and, and you're being prosperous. And so what, what exactly are we supposed to do with all of that? Like we've been very prosperous, just like this man. And he sets a, he's setting a good example for us. He's saying, I'm going to store up some of this. I'm going I'm to hold on to some of this. And he's setting us an example to say that there needs to be a plan. There needs to be some intentionality. And with that being said, I want to expand our horizons a little bit beyond just what's happening in this story. We're going to look at a few other verses in the Bible. And as we look at a few of these other verses, I want us to just think about, you know, what it is that we can do with some of that prosperity that we have experienced. You know, so what is some practical advice about money for us from the Bible? Well, one thing is I think that we need to give God 10% of our income. So let's just start here. Give God. Like we, we, we're pretty good at giving to ourselves or giving to a credit card company or giving to the government or giving to some sort of investment company that, that is managing our finances. But I don't know if we're that good at giving to God. Like we need to make him the priority. And then, and then I say 10% of, of your income. 
that we want to that we want to give God what it is that that standard is that He's asking of us. I'm going to jump ahead here from this slide. I'm going to I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter three verse nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will f- be filled with over to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And he says, so honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. So you want to give to God. And then it's a bit of a mystery. It's hard to entirely explain it. But I mean, I could easily fill up the stage with people that would come to you and they would say, you know, God has done more with the 90% than I could have ever done with 100%. And, And they can just tell you story after story of God providing for them of being blessed by them, by God, being getting favor, of being provided for. They can tell you story after story after story of these people that, that have experienced that in a variety, of different, a variety of different ways. Now I'll come back to that point. Why 10%? Well, in the Old Testament, that was seemingly the standard. That was the tithe standard to give back to the Lord, that 10%. And I love that standard, frankly, because it's not so much that, that, that you're, life is compromised, that you're really going to have to worry about losing a house, um, you know, your electricity is going to get turned off. It's, it's not so much that that really should be a factor if you're managing your finances properly, but it's, it's just enough though that it's going to guide you and direct you in how it is that you should, how it is that you should manage your finances. It keeps your priorities where they ought to be. It, it'll keep you from overextending yourself with the house, overextending yourself with some type of maybe a second home or vacations or uh, other types of toys that you may want. It may, it's just enough to kind of keep you from the bad decisions, um, but, but it's, it's not so much that you just, that you're still like your whole life is compromised. And so in the Old Testament, that was the standard and as you, from the law. And so as you come into the New Testament, that's not necessarily endorsed. And Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And the way that we have always viewed that, being my home and I, Laura and I, the way we have viewed that is that if God, God's standard, if he gave us the law and the standard was 10%, and now he's given us so much more in Jesus then, then shouldn't, we, shouldn't we think that we should ought to give back more to him? And so that's what we have done. We, we've said, well, if he's given us Jesus, then, um, then we're going we're gonna to use that 10% as a baseline. And so through the years, we've gradually, slowly increased a little bit here and a little bit there to give back to the Lord and give back to his purposes and, and to be able to honor him with our finances. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And in the Bible, that 10 number, it's, it's often, often correlated with a test. 
I, I don't know if you've known this or noticed this, but you know, the 10 commandments are kind of a test. And the 10 plagues were a test for Pharaoh. And then in the book of Revelation, what you find is that there is going to be a, a season of trials that's going to, a season of testing for Christians that's going to last for 10 days. And this idea of testing is connected with this number 10. And what I found though, what studies are telling us though, statistics are teaching us, is that we're not passing this test. And this is where this slide comes in is that right now, you know, if you make an income of under $15,000, according to this is 2006 data, so I would actually argue that these numbers are a little high now. But this data says that you're going to give about 10% of your income if you're in this branch. If you're $15,000, $29,000, you're still going to give on average about 10, 10% of your income, a few thousand dollars. But then guess what? When you make more, you never give more. In fact, people give less. And then when you're in this range of 30 to 50,000 ish, you're given 6% on average, 50,000 to almost 100,000, it's 3%. And then whenever you're 100,000 to 200,000, you're at 2%, 200,000 to 250,000, it's at 2%. And I would, and again, I would argue these numbers are, are high, are really high. And I was just kind of running the numbers myself just with our local church community. And, and I know some of you may not be a part of our church community and we're excited that you're connecting with us on here. Um, but, but I was just thinking with our church community and, and we have 200 plus families that are part of our church. There's really probably more, but approximately that. And, and just given the, the average per capita income here in our county. So we have a, what the impact would make if, if everybody in our church were to, to tithe. Um, it, would be, it would be off the charts, the difference that we can make. You see, uh, we would go from a budget of about 1.3 million, which is good and it manages our operations and allows us to do some, some good outreach. But if, if everybody, in our fam- everybody in our church family were to tithe, that, that would increase to around 22 to $23 million, probably more than that if everybody tithed. And at that point, when you have that type of a budget, let, let, me, let me help you understand here what's going to happen is that we would prioritize paying people's medical bills. Um, we would be able to send people on mission trips. Nobody would ever have to pay for a mission trip again. We would just send them on mission trips. And we would get you going places domestically, internationally to impact the world. Um, you know, we would be doing incredible things in our city. We would probably be pouring into other churches, into urban areas. We would be giving back more. I mean, it would just be incredible the difference that we could make if we tithed. I mean, it would be unbelievable what would happen. And that's the thing that we got to catch here is that amazing things happen when God's people contribute and give back to God's causes. And so we go on here in the next verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And again, I, I, can't, I can't quite explain it. There's a certain mystery to it. But again, I could fill this stage with people who would come to you and they would say, God will do more with my 90%, with that 90% than I could ever do with 100% on my own. And so we need to be giving back to God. And, and so what we see here is that we need to give 10%. The next thing the Bible teaches us is that we need to ad- attack debt. 
Um, and when I say attack, I mean you're proactive, you're aggressive, you're going after debt. You're not going to be reactive. If you're reactive to debt, there's going to be a compounding interest that actually works against you. And you're not going to be able to get out of that particular debt. Um, the, an ABC News uh, study said that, that young people today are spending $1,600 more a year than uh, they make. And the Bible says this in the Good News Bible, Proverbs 21, 20, it says, stupid people <laughs> spend it as fast as they get it. Stupid people spend it as fast as they get it. Now, so if they spend, if you're stupid and you spend it as fast as you get it, what is it if you, you spend it before you get it? I, I don't know what that is. I don't even know if I want to know what that is, but it's not good. And so we got to attack debt. I know of a pastor who became a bit frustrated at his family's debt load. And so he came home one day and he, he looked at the mortgage, he looked at the car payments, he looked at the credit card bills, and he just said, we're not gonna live like this anymore. We're gonna do something about this. And they made some major changes, significant changes in their lives. And he said, we're not going on vacation. They made a decision, no more vacations. They're cutting back on birthday presents and, and, and Christmas presents. He said, every extra dollar we get, we're gonna give a little bit to God. The rest of it goes to pay off debt. And, he, and they aggressively cut back on their life. No cable, no eating out. All of those things were gone from their lives. And they did this for about three or four years. Maybe it's three to five years, somewhere in that range. And then they were able to pay off all of their debt because he got serious about attacking the debt. And now, as he would say, he said, I have more money than we could ever spend. I have more money than we could ever spend. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.